Hey everybody, Marty here. I uh, just wanted to give you a quick heads up right at the top here. In today's episode, we discuss an episode of The Andy Griffith Show where the main quote-unquote joke is that a man is violently harassing a woman and attempting to kidnap her. That means that you're going to hear Dan and I talk about some potentially upsetting content and using some of the related language that might be triggering for some members of the audience. So, listener discretion is advised. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that doesn't need to add a recurring character when things get stale. Don't call that shot. We don't know how this is going to go. We may need to add a Cousin Oliver to this mix. I We're going to talk about some Cousin Olivering today, but I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, I'm Dan Ludwig. And this is a show about old television, specifically the Andy Griffith Show, along with some others, and why they broke uh, an entire generation's sense of ethics and sense of humor, I think. Yeah, I'm basically. I'm furious about today's episode. It <laughs> is a lot. It, there's a lot of stuff to unpack, and I'm... Uh, it's It's rough. It's a rough one, but Dan... Lead me into something else before we we go into this bit. Okay, so as many of our opening things are, a weird thing happened to me today that I'm still kind of like not shaking off, but processing. Okay. Um. So I, I went out to lunch today. I'm about to dox myself so hard. Um. I live near a high school that has been like under construction for months now. Like there's like that scaffolding shit over it. Sure. And we. Just assumed, like, oh, they're remodeling the high school during COVID or some, or some shit. So as I was walking home today, there was, like, a woman, like, in her 20s who was just standing across the street. And she just went, hey! Hey! And I was, I was like, I assumed, like, something was wrong. I was like, hey, what's up? And she was like, I went to high school here. I fucking hated this place. This place sucks ass. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I, I hated my high school, man. Fuck that place. And she was like, yeah? Well, mine's getting fucking torn down. I was like... Oh, cool. And she was like, yeah, they're making it into condos. I'm going to fucking live in that place. I'm going to rent. <laughs> I was like, cool. She was like, yeah. Like, very angrily. Like, she's going to spite buy an expensive condo in a former high school just so that she can be like, this used to be a place of fucking learning. Honestly? <laughs> Okay. She she's doing spite gentrification. I mean, number one, number one, I'm not a fan of the gentrification model of, you know, closing schools and turning them into condos. That's, yeah. That that real estate development scheme is fucking bullshit. But it's this is literally the only upside to public schools getting ripped down and turned into condos, is this lady is fucking happy. That is a Stephen A. Smith butt. <laughs> <laughs> If I was making such a fucking power move as, like, living in the place where I had the worst fucking memories of my life, I would probably yell at strangers, too. I would want, like, some random guy 
walking down the street to know. Do you think she's going to go in and, like, look at places when it opens and be like, all right, so I need something on the third floor on the furthest north side and, like, the, in the corner. And they're like, yeah, I guess we have a place space there. And she's going to be like, great, because that's where my fucking homeroom is. And that's where someone called me a, a fat, ugly bitch. And I'm going to fucking live there. Fuck you, Mr. Sweeney. This is my house now. <laughs> yeah, she's going to, like, live there and call her principal and be like, hey, motherfucker, I'm living in your job now. How's unemployment? <laughs> her partner is going to is going to be like, honey, we we I don't think we can really afford this. And she's going to be like, no, 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 no. Spite. <laughs> well, I will find a way. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to do that, man. I, I can't imagine. I mean, number one, I'd have to move back to my hometown, which is not a thing yeah. I want to do. But even beyond that, I can't imagine like that novelty is going to wear off for within a year. And yeah. then I've bought a $300,000 condo. It's a 10-minute euphoric rush followed by, like, two to five years of regret. Do you think that school administration was bad? Wait till you get to the fucking homeowners association. They have yeah. ridiculous amount of control over your life, and now you're an adult. Yes. It makes the even homeowner- less sense. The homeowners association is going to do everything the popular kids did to you, but now they can fine you. Yeah. Now you have to pay actual money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's it's not the best plan I heard, but god damn it, is that not an incredible thing to yell at a stranger on the street? <laughs> I mean, I'm proud of her, in a yeah. way. Yeah. I really wish I'd had something cooler to say in response than, oh, that's cool, and then just keep walking. What else can you say, man? What can, yeah. Like, I'm gonna go do the same thing! <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, super, super weird uh, lunch break to my day. That said, like, that pro- that building probably should remain a school. Anymore. Yeah, but uh, listeners, please don't use that information to triangulate my coordinates and shoot me or something. I don't know. Don't don't John Lennon me. Uh, today was his birthday. He would be 80 years old today if he had lived, and he'd be probably insufferable. Oh, God, his Twitter presence would be the absolute fucking Oh, worst. my God, we would we would be canceling John Lennon right now. Well, do you think he'd be – I feel like he'd just be a really annoying Biden guy. He'd be Stephen Kinging it pretty hard. I, Where, there's there's two options, right? Either A, he would be going that route, or B, he would be, like, glittering it. Yeah. I feel like he would be like, oh, well, you know, I think Jeremy Corbyn is going too far with his policies. And we'd be like, motherfucker, you wrote Imagine! Come on! Oh, you know that he would be in that fucking Celebrity Imagine video, and it would be God. even more unbearable. No, I, I feel like if we still had John Lennon, 80-year-old John Lennon today, he would be like, maybe J.K. Rowling has some good points. Yeah. Hmm. So, rest in peace, John Lennon. Today we pay tribute by saying that if you were alive, you'd be a dick. Rest in peace, John Lennon. We are basically saying we're glad you're dead. <laughs> Our official stance is we are glad John Lennon is dead because the alternative would be mildly annoying. The alternative would do some serious fucking damage. Let's be clear on that. Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah, actually. And also, imagine. I mean, what the purpose of our show is, you know, character assassination of baby boomer icons. So that's, this, is, that's this is well within brand for us. Yes. So just to make it official, Breaking Mayberry is declaring war on the Beatles. We... Do you, do you want to do it? Do you want to just talk shit? I mean, I'm I'm not going to talk shit on the Beatles, right? Because no, that's, like, that's the hackiest fucking thing, to be the guy that isn't into the Beatles. 
I tried to be that guy for a solid like six months. I w- I like read one article online that was like the Beatles aren't that good, and I was like, I'm gonna be this guy. I'm 22, and I desperately need an identity. And uh, and then everyone was like, well, I have several arguments as to why that's wrong, and I'd be like, I'm going to look into my drink and pretend like I have an argument against you. I'm I'm not an anti Beatles guy, but I am a, I am a pro monkeys guy. Yeah. And a baby boomer once threatened to, like, beat the shit out of me in a bar because I said that the first couple of Beatles albums, or no, I said that, like, the Monkees collection is just as good as the first handful of Beatles albums. <laughs> nope, how I did not say that the Monkees are better than the Beatles. I would not say that. But I was saying, like, the Monkees are as good as the Beatles were when they started. Like, they're, yeah. they're they're on par. Maybe slightly better, but obviously the Beatles became, like, a much more important. Di- anyway, that, just that bit of a slight was enough for a man to threaten physical violence against me. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. If you, like, respond with anything other than total reverence, someone will break a bottle at you. Why the fuck did we leave these people in charge of anything? All right. Uh, <laughs> on that same note, let's go ahead and talk about today's Andy Griffith Show episode. Uh, all right, oh, so I listen. Say. I love me a good recurring character, especially one whose entire purpose is to be sort of an antagonist uh, and make things weird. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, of course, like, The Great Gazoo is a good example, yeah. right? Like, Flintstones were running out of ideas, pretty much. They're like, let's just add a little weird gay little alien whose job <laughs> it is to just come and call Fred Flintstone an idiot and make his life hell for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and there's also, like, the, you know, we're getting on in years, it's time to add another character kind of thing. Uh, the Cousin Oliver, as you put it, uh, adding yeah. another little girl uh, to the Cosby show. Adding Leonardo DiCaprio to the cast of Growing Pains, stuff like that. So that's what I kind of thought. I thought we were going to get, like, either a new recurring character, sort of like a Doug Judy on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So this episode is the introduction of a character named Ernest T. Bass. And I didn't know much about this character to begin with. I knew that, like, whenever I mention stuff to Andy Griffiths fans, they do say, like, let's hear about Ernest T. Bass, right? Yeah, like... Based off of, like, everything I'd heard, like, oh, there he's this crazy mountain man who comes down and wreaks all sorts of havoc. And I was picturing, like, just a whimsical old, uh, like, Beverly Hillbilly-style weirdo. Like, like a Hillbilly just... Mr. McPixlick. Yeah, basically, I was, in, I was imagining him something akin to, like... Like a, a leprechaun from like I, from like like you know stories and stuff, and what I actually got was a leprechaun from the movie Leprechaun. Like, I, yeah, this I, I just disgusting little demon. I don't know what this episode pretty much reveals. Ernest T. Bass as what I can only describe as a backwoods rape goblin. Yeah, <laughs> and I went back and forth on whether or not I would actually say that on the air, but I have no other way to describe this little weird, there, creepy little freak. He, this gun-toting little horny weirdo. Like, like this. This episode is about uh, a man stalking a woman, uh, assaulting her home, and attempting to kidnap her uh, in order to make her his his love slave. There's yes. no getting around this. Yeah, it, like, it, they think they're doing a character that is, like, like goofy and whimsical, and it's like, this is the creepiest fucking character I have ever encountered. Just menacing. Just a horrible yeah. menace. And what's weird is that, like, the characters seem to be aware of it in this episode. Like, yeah. at least one 
character kind of says like, yeah, that Ernesty e. Bass, he's an he's one of the worst human beings alive. <laughs> he's like, they're like he is an absolute fucking degenerate. They're like, what do we? What kind of what kind of flavor do we want to introduce in Andy Griffith show? Like, what a, what about a guy? And you just get the sense that anytime he's not on camera, he's masturbating in the woods. Like, do you think that's a good energy for a character? Just, just, and he brings that energy real hard here. Uh, yeah. Let, let's fucking do this. Uh, all right. So we are talking about season three, episode 31, Mountain Wedding. Originally airs April 29th, 1963. Written by Jim Fritzel and Everett Greenbaum. Uh, and directed by unassuming human host of an alien parasite determined to open a doorway into the fabric of space and time, Bob Sweeney. Double majored in tax fraud and jet ski sales at the Technical Institute of Northern Florida, Bob Sweeney. Thanks, Jack. And this is the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. The Darlings ask Andy (laughs) to help them deal with wild mountain man Ernest T. Bass, who wants to stop Charlene and Dud Walsh from getting married. First episode with Ernest T. Bass, only episode with both Ernest T. and the Darlings, thank fucking Christ. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Okay. Because the Darlings should kill him. Okay, so there's an there's already an inaccuracy in this one sentence description. Uh, mm-hmm. the, this, the description says that Ernest T. Bass wants to stop Charlene and Dud from getting married. That is not true. <laughs> no. They are already married. But the, the conflict in this is that he just doesn't think it counts. Yeah, he does not obey the laws of man. <laughs> yeah, he thinks that a government uh, marriage is not binding. He will only accept a Christian one. Yeah, so, I mean, this is how it comes down. Like, the conflict is introduced by Mr. Darling, uh, Briscoe Darling, the father, saying that he doesn't, ex- or saying that Ernest T. E. Bass doesn't accept the wedding. Yeah. And, and, and Andy's, Andy's response should be like, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, he comes down and he says, so, uh, there's a crazy mountain guy who does not accept the marriage of my, uh, of my daughter. And as a result is waging a prolonged siege on my home. And Andy is like, all right, we'll get up there tomorrow. Like, darling should, darling's response should be like, no, 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 I don't think you heard me. Was siege on my home. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we'll talk about what we talk about, but I'm gonna counter argue that, like, no one seems that worried about this guy, right? Like, it's weird, it's like, this guy's just annoying enough that we're gonna get the sheriff involved, but not enough to show, like, any real stress about him. In fact, he's invited to the party at the end of the episode. I would be terrified of this human being. Can you imagine being in a room with Ernest T. Bass? Can you imagine having his creepy face and his the gun that he is holding at all times in a room with you? Okay, all right. So let's go ahead let's and, and, and describe Ernest T. Bass for our listeners. Um, all right. So imagine the meth head that Jesse knocks out with a bong in uh, Breaking Bad and then just take off like 20%. It's somewhere between that and Ernest. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's uh, uh, what if Ernest was on Crocodile? <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, what if, what if you watched a DVD and Ernest goes, <laughs> Ernest, Ernest goes does free, crank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ernest 
freebases crystal meth. That's basically what it is. Like, we really cannot hit the angle enough of Ernest T. Bass is basically on meth. If he is, like, if he is not literally on meth, then the spirit of meth has visited him. Do you, do you think that Ernest, like, the Jim Varney character, like, Jim Varney named that character after Ernest T. Bass? I hope not, but the influence seems very clearly there. It's an extremely viable possibility. I, the, the influence seems there, but that makes me sad, because I like the Jim Varney Ernest. Uh, I literally have never seen a single frame of those movies. I've seen them in Blockbuster, and I'm like, oh, that guy sure seems to be having a weird time. Mom, do you want to rent this? No? Okay, cool. I will I will never see this. <laughs> Is he just a guy that says Vern a lot? Oh, Ver- Vern's like his partner that's filming the whole thing. Uh, and, oh, okay. And, and Ernest was like, Ernest's whole deal was like he was like a handyman uh who kept getting sent to weird locations and getting into like weird okay. kind of situations. So he's just He was just like an antics and sue guy. Exactly, exactly. He was just kind of like a blue collar, like simple man, every man kind of guy and they would just put him in weird situations. So Was he like dumb? I mean, very similar to what the Andy Griffith show is going for. He was like dumb, but sometimes he would have like backwoods knowledge and uh could like piece together weird shit cuz he was a handyman. Like, oh, he was 100% based off of this shit. Yeah, very clear. Uh, all right. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into this. So we open up uh, outside of the grocery store. Barney and Andy are watching a man paint the window. Paint, like, you know, prices and numbers and stuff in the window. Just the grocery staring store. at him while he works and discussing whether or not he's spelling chicken wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy is very cl- just radiating annoyance. Uh, uh, it's a great bit. There's a good bit where, like, Barney keeps trying to push people out of the way so that they, they don't uh, interfere with the uh, window painter's work. Uh, and then, in doing so, of course, irritates the window painter to the point where he smears paint all over the window. And, and yeah, a nice little bit. Uh, a, uh, the- a lot of this episode is vamping bits. The script for this was eight pages long. Yeah, there are jokes that you think are going to be, like, 30 seconds that are, like, Four minutes, uh, which are mostly just like uh, Don Knotts go. Yeah, <laughs> Don Knotts powers activate, eat up script time. They're just hanging out, and Andy says, "Oh, hey, I think that's Briscoe Darling's truck." And he sees a jalopy, and then they walk over to the truck because I guess they got nothing better to do. Uh, they open the uh, the jail, and there is a nice little decision that I like uh, here, which is that Bob Sweeney opens on the jail before just like half a second before uh barney and andy enter so it's um it's briscoe the old mountain man sitting in the chair and he looks so uncomfortable and he's like taking a deep breath like he's getting ready and getting prepared to give this whole shtick and it's just like a half second like directoral move but i i liked it it was a good uh, good little like bit of characterization andy and barney enter and then Briscoe says, hey, Sheriff, I need some help. Uh, There's this man up in the woods. His name is Ernest T. Bass, and he don't uh, he don't accept Charlene and Dud's marriage. And Andy's like, I I married them. I'm the justice of the peace. I got the papers. I I don't understand. And this is the fucking great thing about uh, Briscoe Darling is my favorite character because he's looking a sheriff square in the eye and he's like, oh, yeah, this guy's been waging a prolonged assault on my uh, on my house. 
we thought about murdering him, but we felt like we shouldn't do that. And it's such a badass thing of just being like, hello, Sheriff, I still don't totally understand what you are. Uh, but I thought about fucking killing this guy. Again, I do not respect your authority enough to allow you to arrest me. Uh, and Andy's just like, appreciate that you didn't. <laughs> uh, but Barney even says, Barney's like, well, you know, it's good that you were smart enough to know that you can't take the law into your own hands. To which uh, Briscoe's response is, who's this fucking guy and why is he talking <laughs> to me? Yeah, like, it's great, like... Just immediate power move, like, who the fuck is this? Half, half of are... this episode is reminding you that Don Knotts was not in the previous Darlings episode. Because they eat up screen time by having to introduce Don Knotts to everyone. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I I now want to do a thing of, like, when someone is being introduced to me, be like, Marty, vouch for this person. <laughs> Tell me that they're cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know them. Can you can you verify that this person is cool? Like every time All right, you're fine. Like he he even like gestures to Barney and asks Andy, is he one of ours? One of <laughs> our what? What are we? Well, what is this? That is what do you think this situation here is? No, Marty, that is because Barney says adios amigo. Oh he does. <laughs> And that is a significantly less cool thing than you are remembering. That would be such a badass line if he was just like, he one of ours? Like, yeah. Again, a thing I'm going to steal. It's so fucking weird the way he does it. Because he, he's basically acting like they're doing a drug deal and he's asking, this guy a cop? But the guy <laughs> he's asking is a badge-wearing cop. I feel like that's kind of what his question is, because again, he does not totally understand what Andy's job is. Just, like, he's looking at Barney, he's like, is this guy going to arrest us or something? He's basically, he's basically asking, like, is he, like, a cop cop or like you? <laughs> yeah. Is he, is he a cop that I can bully for the next 22 minutes, or is he, like, a cop? Is he, is he really a cop? Like, yeah, I get it, man, you're a cop, and Andy's got to be like, no, no, we're both cops. Yeah, but, I mean, he's a cop, but you're... You're a you, cop. You know. But I could just take your car right now and you wouldn't really say shit about it. Uh, God, Briscoe Darling, aside from the things he's about to say in this scene, fucking rules. Aside from about 40% of what he says and does. Yeah. I respect Briscoe Darling's actions and very few of his words. Because uh, they do say that they're going to come up and help uh, deal with the Ernesty Bass situation. And he says, oh, well, uh, you're going to have some trouble getting across the Robert E. Lee National Bridge. So, uh, cross, uh, in nope, the day. Nope, nope, Dan, it's the Robert E. Lee Natural Bridge. Oh, I, Robert that's so e. much Lee better. Natural Bridge. And, uh, after Barney says, okay, adios, amigo, and Briscoe says, are you sure he's one of ours? After the Robert E. Lee Natural Bridge. <sighs> and then Barney's like, what is the Robert E. Lee Natural Bridge? And Andy explains, oh, it's an oak tree that fell over the creek. <laughs> I mean, we're, we cannot sit here and pretend that Briscoe Darling would be anything other than a terrible, terrible racist oh, person. absolutely. Yeah, like, even, just like from the offset, you can't look at him and be like, I bet he has very moderate opinions on race and gender. Uh, like, <laughs> Briscoe Darling is a monster. But we, uh, just from the fact that he shows absolute disregard for all authority figures, he has a place in my heart. Uh, so the next day, uh, Barney slept over in the cot at the jail. Uh, 
there is a joke about Andy trying to wake Barney up that lasts approximately a decade. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I raised a family in the time that this joke took to expire. and it, it, I raised a so... barn by the time we got to the setup. I moved yeah. to Amish country, grew a beard, and raised a barn. <laughs> it is so long. But the thing is, it has... Like, eras of this joke. It has time periods. It has a dark age. It has a renaissance. There, like, it, cause it has, it keeps having things where you think it's about to end, where like, Andy hits an alarm clock in Barney's would you, face. Would you like to explain what the essence of the joke is? Uh, Barney is asleep, and Andy is trying to wake Barney up, and Barney keeps saying that he's awake and then going back to sleep. And it happens like 75 times, and you keep thinking, oh, finally it's over. The joke is over. We're in the promised land. I'm finally out of the desert. Oh, nope, nope. 40 more years. 40 more years. Like, it's so bad. Just vamping. Just desperate vamping. Uh, so they wake him up, finally. Um, and then they just drive to the place. And then they're driving by, like, an old oak tree. And they hear, they decide that there's a place that must be the Darlings. Because they can hear the music. Yeah, so this is the prolific band that sort of define redefine music in America um, that they just kind of have in this show. <laughs> that they've kind of leaned into the fact that these guys can't act with a very good reoccurring joke where they just stand bone silent staring at you like fucking the kids in The Shining. Anytime they are not playing music, they are completely blank-faced, staring dead-eyed ahead. And, like, Andy will be like, hey, what's their deal? And Briscoe's just like, they're fine, don't worry about them. It's actually pretty great because it makes every scene a little creepy. <laughs> like, that's what you should do when you have a person on your show that can't fucking act. Just have them be absolutely Buckingham Palace still and just vamp off of it. So then they they play some music. Uh, Dud rolls in with like ten percent more personality than he had last time. Did they get a different actor? No, it's the same dude. Same, guy, same dude, but he's like playing it, playing Dud completely differently. He's the, somehow hotter. the The first time we saw him, he was just like a mopey little like he was a Dud. And yeah, this guy at least has some sense of personality. Yeah, and he basically like rolls in and he's like. Hey, everybody. Hey, my father-in-law and brother-in-law. Don't mind me. I'm just going to go grope my wife in front of you for a little bit. Okay, everybody fine? Guess what? I couldn't find that dude that we all hate. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, the best thing is he starts to grope his uh, Briscoe's daughter, and uh, Briscoe just says, Dud, we got more important things to tend to. Curb them hot flashes. This is a really weird scenario, because like, it, it's pretty much shown that like all of the darlings live together. In a one-room shack. Yeah. Uh, and I does do Dud and Charlene live yes. with them? I assume so. Yeah, uh, and I think the thing you're getting to is, yes, they do fuck in the same room as the entire family. All right. Like, let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> Briscoe just tells the boys to play music louder. Uh, it does happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Despite the fact that Dud's chin is about three inches behind his neck, he's kind of pulling the look off in this. Like... Dud looks good now. He's, yeah. like, animated and shit. Yeah, no, I got no issues with Dud. But he says he couldn't find Ernest T. Bass. There, There is a reference here. Uh, he asked Dude. Ernest's cousin or where Ernest was, and he said that Ernest went off into the woods to kill a mockingbird. 
no idea what the bit is there. I think they just wanted to say kill a mockingbird on the show. I mean, oh. as as sophomore year English taught me, it is a sin to kill a mockingbird. But I don't remember why in that context. Yeah, I don't. Re- uh, that book is that book is fuzzy for me now. Uh, uh, but this is about three years after that book was published, so and about uh, a year after it was turned into a movie. So, so that would be that's the equivalent of like how everyone dressed as the Joker for like uh, for <laughs> yes. a year after Dark Knight. Yes. That's what this is. It's the equivalent of someone being like, "Why so serious on the Office?" It's it, it's uh it's the equivalent of like a Borat voice, yeah. or. or uh, like a Matrix reference, or like every, every episode of TV uh, in 2001 asking if you were going to take the red or the blue pill. Yeah. yeah, how every single movie for like three years had to have a thing where someone bent backwards while something that wasn't bullets was thrown at them. Dud describes Ernest as a pestilence. <laughs> it says that Accurate. a pestilence you. Yeah, yeah, he basically says, like, yeah, that's one of the four horsemen of the fucking apocalypse we got living up in these woods. But, yeah. uh, you know what? We don't, you know, there's no need for you to go looking for him. Let's, uh, let's play some bluegrass first. Yeah. Uh, and then they play bluegrass. There's music now. It's the music times. Yeah, they uh, play, they play a song. There's an okay bit where they hand, uh, Andy a guitar that is, like, held together with duct tape. And yeah. then the Dillards play a song. It's a pretty good song. The song is Never Hit Your Grandma with a Great Big Stick. No, no, the song is not called Never Hit Your Grandma with a Great Big Stick. Dud suggests that they play Never Hit Your Grandma with a Great Big Stick. And then Charlene says, no, we won't play that song. It makes me cry. So then they play a song <laughs> called Dooley. Oh, yeah. This is pretty good. It's pretty good. And yeah. uh, they conclude this with a rock being thrown through a window. Yeah. Uh, and you know what, man? Listen, it's 1963. Maybe... Bricks being thrown through windows, not a thing we should make regular jokes about. Yeah. Just, mm, just saying. Maybe maybe that has negative connotations. Even the, everyone's super chill about rocks being, about like broken glass flying yeah. inside their house. Are windows free in Mayberry? <laughs> yeah. They're like, we are dirt poor. We were living in the middle of nowhere. A broken window means a fucking like chill could get in and give us all pneumonia. Uh, there is, like, basically cardboard between us and the elements. But yeah, like, fuck, uh, break I mean, a window. Th- these people are living off of gristle and marrow. Yeah. And apparently they're fine with just broken glass everywhere. Four windows get broken in this. He throws so many rocks into their house. Like, throws a lot of fucking rocks. So a, a rock comes through the window. Ju- Dud's like, hey, you cut that out, basically. Yeah, uh, like, oh, he shakes his fist. And, but, all right, so you rap scallion. There's a note for Charlene. It kind of says like, "Charlene, I still want you, and I still love you." Uh, so Andy, Barney, and Briscoe go outside, and they're like, "Ernest E. Bass, come out here! What the fuck, you little weirdo?" Out comes the strangest, most off-putting little. You know, you know what? I, I figured out how I'm going to describe the way this man looks. Uh, Rance Howard should probably get a fucking paternity test, because this dude is Clint's real daddy. (laughs) (laughs) He, yeah. This dude looks like a Clint Howard character when Clint Howard was four years old. He looks like Dewey Crow from Justified, but worse. Like, 
He and the voice he has is like he looks like the t- he looks like the the preacher TV shows Ars face. <laughs> <laughs> That's why boomers believe in lizard people. Okay, because <laughs> there's one right here. <laughs> Just like he looks like he crawled out of a mud pit and immediately picked up a shotgun. Like, just this disgusting little, like, borrower-ass fucking gnome. He looks like if Jeff Goldblum got into the machine in The Fly, and instead of The Fly, there was a fucking, like, three-toed gecko on the screen. (laughs) He he looks like a living manifestation of all of Jeff Foxworthy's sins. Like, yeah. Alright, so, so this fucking weirdo is dressed like Elmer Fudd. He's got the stupid hunting cap on, he's wave he's brandishing uh the shotgun wildly, which makes Barney drop his gun. Uh and he speaks in this little voice. Just this like half-hitched twang. Like it's like pain. <laughs> pain to hear. Again, let's just make a character that is like on every sensory level upsetting. And so he says I he basically says I I'm not gonna do the fucking voice. No, uh, you, I will I will get a court order to stop you from doing the fucking voice. So he says, Your marriage doesn't count because it wasn't done by a preacher. Yeah. So uh I can still woo Charlene and I can still sweet talk her and charm her and get her to be my girl instead. Um which uh, is fucked up logic on so many ways and yet is not that different here's the annoying part about this right it's not that different than like most fucking plot lines around this time most of these plot lines were like i can make her be my girl but it's okay because we're both handsome young white american teenagers when you take that same plot line and you make it a weird mountain uh goat person (laughs) <laughs> when you involve shotguns, yeah, then it takes on a much more sim- like sinister connotation. Th- that plotline is never great to begin with, but yeah. once it involves domestic terrorism, yeah. <laughs> there's a line, there's a line, and that line is ammunition, and this show just crosses right over it. <laughs> like, well, I was gonna go mail this pipe bomb to the sanitation department, but I guess I'll make some time in my schedule. Uh, quick, quick question. While we're kind of trying to establish a very real sense of what Ernest T. Bass is for the listeners so they don't have to watch this, what do you think Ernest T. Bass smells like? Like, from getting an eyeball on him, what's the smell that you would, you think you would experience? I'm thinking beer-soaked popcorn. Mm, like a backed-up sink that you have to snake. Yes, yeah, like, like something that's recently been unclogged. <laughs> like, I think... A combination of shit and motor oil. There is there is not a single clear pore on that man's face. <laughs> I feel like if I was in a room with Ernest T. Bass and he left the room, I'd touch a surface and it would be sticky. And I'd be like, he didn't even touch this. How did he make it sticky? It's basically like like the real life equivalent of pig pen. Like, it just yes. feels like there are just, like, there were stink lines on this man. By the way, I'm going to point this out. This is, part of the reason I hate this episode so much is that it is just uncharacteristically slapstick for the end yeah. of his show, right? This is a show that we've seen pull off fairly good drama, right? Yeah. We've seen this show be decent in drama. We've seen this show be genuinely funny. Uh, we've seen this show do physical humor pretty well. But this one goes, quite frankly, Looney Tunes. Like, yeah. 
it goes so far into the like Tex Avery realm. Uh, and sometimes, yeah, we've, we've mentioned that Hal Smith can do that as Otis, but this dude is no Hal Smith. He does not yeah. have the charm or persona of Hal Smith. Turn this whole thing into a wacky fucking Benny Hill romp is so uncharacteristically weird for the Andy Griffith show and not in a good way. And in, like, weirdly, like, one of the darker fucking episodes. That's what this is. This whole thing, it comes down to, like, like Looney Tunes-esque antics, right down to, like, dressing up a man in a woman's costume. It's so fucking cartoonish for this show. And it's, mm, and, like, it's, it's, it's there's a reason why you can do certain things in cartoons that you can't, that are fucking weird and gross when you do them with human beings. Yeah. It's... The thing that immediately, like, bothers me about this is, like, they're like, okay, so who's Ernest T. Best? Well, he's, first and foremost, this is his big deal. He is mentally unstable. And he is actively dangerous. And, like, Ernest what what else is going on? Well, he's always holding a gloated gun. Oh, well, I'm assuming he never, like, points at people. No! He's pointing at people constantly. Like, and... No, it is not even vaguely suggested by anyone that Ernest T. Bass should not have a loaded firearm. And I I can't tell if this is something that, like, the Andy Griffith show suggests or if it was just, like, a prevalent attitude of the time. But it is still fucking crazy to have a character, like, so clearly need to not have a gun and to have no one even vaguely suggest that they should be unarmed. Well, if he didn't have a gun, he would still be throwing rocks. And if he didn't have a gun and rocks, then how would Andy immediately negotiate with a terrorist? <laughs> Yeah, that's, that is, oh, that's the, the next thing. A- Andy's, Andy's whole thing is immediately just like, eh, let's see what he wants. Let's hear him out. Let's hear yeah. Him. So, so fucking A. So he says that, like, your marriage doesn't count because it wasn't done by a preacher. And then Andy's like, okay, so if we get a preacher, will you give this shit up? Fine, we'll bring the preacher up tomorrow. And... Like why? What? What? Yeah. Why, why did you play on this on this fucking playing field, Andy? Why yeah. did you go this direction? Why did you give him? Because then he's like Tamara. Huh? <laughs> that gives me twenty four hours to woo her. Yeah. Like, like Charlene has to just be standing there. Like, well, we were trying to book a venue in the spring, but fuck me, I guess we'll get married tomorrow so uh, that you don't have to deal with a crazed mountain man they're already married Uh, i don't understand how they have any response to andy other than why did we even bring you up here you did literally nothing we can't do like you basically capitulated to him immediately on everything and he's still here so that night right they spend they spend the night Andy and Barney do. They spend the night at the Darling. So uh, if you want to rob the Bank of Mayberries, now's the fucking time to do it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so like, there's another eight minute bit about how everyone snores and Andy and Barney have to move them and flip them over so they won't snore. And then they all go back to sleep. And then they start snoring again. Yeah. Goes on Forever. And when, we a all rock, will... when a rock goes through the window, I am like, thank fucking God. Like, please, thank you, Ernest T. Bass, for delivering me from this purgatory. Andy comes over to the window and says, Ernest T. Bass, cut that out. 
If you yeah. keep throwing rocks, I'm going to have to arrest you for throwing <laughs> rocks through windows. And the response to that is more rocks through windows. Yeah. Like four windows get broken here. And everyone's everyone yells at Barney like, Barney's going to get all of our windows broken and get us stoned. Like, why are you all yelling at Barney? Barney's the one who wants to arrest this guy. Yeah, it is. Well, I, I I will say this. Andy has no ability to arrest this person because he would just immediately run off to the woods. And if Andy followed him into the woods, Ernest would kill him. Ernest would execute him in the woods and bury him in a swamp. Like, he does really have no recourse against this crazed woodland lunatic. He would he would just hand he would handcuff Ernest T. Bass. Uh, and then he would look one direction, he'd look back, and instead of handcuffs, there would be two sticks of dynamite with gloves attached to the end, hand, hold, in handcuffs. Ha ha! Or he'd do the, uh, Anton Chigura, uh, like, garroting him from behind with the handcuffs thing. But somehow it would be wacky. That's the fucking balance of this, right? Is that, let's be very clear, we are talking about a man who, uh, who has a gun and is assaulting a woman's home until she speaks to him. Yeah. Like, I'm, I know, I know, I know that we're fucking shitty socialist millennials and we, like, find cancel culture and everything and meh, meh, meh. Shut the fuck up. Shut up <laughs> yeah. for a goddamn second. You baby boomer ass motherfuckers that keep posting to our Facebook page. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we have that? And think about it. Am I wrong on any way, shape, or form about this? Listen, I, I'm, I'm, this episode makes me fucking furious. Yeah. And I, most of the time, I think we've been very fair to this show. I think that we have praised it when it deserves praise, and I think that we have buried it when it deserves burying. But if you are one of those fucking assholes who worships this show, if you are dressing up, cosplaying as this fucking rape goblin, right? <laughs> If you are doing this shit, and this is how you think television should be, if this is what you fucking long for, if you, like, look at, I don't know, any TV show today and go, why can't it be more like the fucking Andy Griffith show, like, where we were just capitulating to weird men attacking women until they paid attention, why, then fuck you. Fuck it, you. It's one of those things fuck where, like, you. like, you can, like, yeah, it's like, oh, you like, like, we're, yeah, we're all, like, we're all overly critical of TV shows, but this is a fucking episode of TV where, like, if it happened to me, I would be terrified and upset the entire time. I can't, and that's, that doesn't happen on an episode of fucking Frasier. Like, there's never an episode of Frasier where it's like, like, oh yeah, no, um, there's a prolonged siege on Niall's house by a, by a crazed pervert. Uh, you know, it's, it's fine. Like, <sighs> There's a lot of TV shows that we like dissect, and it's like, oh, well, you know, the uh, they kind of did an offensive Asian voice on that, or like, oh yeah, that was kind of like regressive on gender. This is like, like it's some fucking Jonestown shit happening here to a wacky soundtrack. It's hellish. Like, and this is the shit that they like parked their kids in front of and be like, Help, all right, Billy, absorb this into the folds of your brain. Do you see Ernest T. Bass? I'm going to get you a fucking toy of him later. He wants to drag a woman off into the woods. Uh, so he throws the fucking rocks, and instead of doing anything, Andy's like, Ernest T. Bass, you knocked that off. You're, 
disturbing the peace and these people can't sleep. And Ernest's like, I don't give a shit. I'm Ernest E. Bass. Let him sleep. I don't want to talk to Charlene. And then Andy's response is like, all right, come come over here, Charlene. Fucking talk to this, this dude. Charlene, come put your face by the window. You know where this crazy person is throwing rocks? Like, get right up in there. Get, get right up in there. To which Dud is like, what the fuck are you doing? I am already furious. How is everyone in the room not just being like, you do know I pay taxes and those taxes pay you. Literally, what is the point of you? Please go, you know, Charlene, I'm sure that if you just reject this man to his face, he will handle <laughs> it very well. Yeah. <laughs> like, his like, shotgun like, is all the way over there. Come yeah, on. Like, he definitely won't break into this house and chew on your face. Like, definitely. He basically is just like, you guys got this, right? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go over here and chill. I'm just gonna hang out. Thanks for letting me sleep in your home all night. So yeah, he brings Charlene over. It's like Charlene talked to her. Let 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 him speak his piece, and maybe he'll go home. And what happens next is pretty much the like Stuart, uh, look what I can do sketch from Mad TV. Yeah, because it's just Ernest T doing weird stuff. He like sings a weird funky jig using a kerosene uh yeah. drum as and then he does some chin-ups and he says that I'm the best rock thrower in the county and I'm saving up for a gold tooth. So I'm like I'm just like what what is your t- much like Gomer Pyle? What is your fucking deal, man? Are you Yeah. Are you mentally ill? Is that the idea here? Am I supposed to find this charming? Yeah. Oh, like ooh, look at this. <laughs> Like, he says, uh, come over here and let me kiss you on the jaw. And it's, yeah, it's like, that's, it's like shit that would make you leave the subway car that you're in. Like, it's just horrifying catcalls. Like, he is, if they had it interrupted, he would have been like, I want to wear one of your hands like a hat. Like, uh, I want to, yeah, like, it's, like, just come over here. Let Ernest T. Bass eat some of your hair. Let me just, <laughs> let me just, let me just put your hair in, uh, your hair in my mouth. I just want, I just want a sweet taste of that. Oh my god. I hate this fucking character. Obviously Charlene is like, um, no. And then he says, fuck you all, I'll be back. You haven't seen the last of Return of T-Bass. And yeah, he just off, goes, runs off he, he, just, he just runs off. He's like, I'm going to resort to violence next. And everyone's like, well, time to go back to sleep. Uh, it's If Andy was a fucking hostage negotiator, he would start immediately just sending hostages into the building. Like... He, yeah, he just, just like, do you have enough hostages? <laughs> yeah. Like, as a show of good faith, here's my son. <laughs> just go on in. Go on in. No, it's cool. No, you're in danger. Go on in. <laughs> Don't look back at me. Don't look back at me. Go in there. We're also going to send in pizzas. <laughs> it's so shitty. He's the worst cop. So the next, <laughs> next fucking actually what? no, he's not the worst cop. He's a, he's as bad at preventing crimes as all cops are. Oh yeah, let me let me do this right. We our, our new thing is that we tried to figure out how uh, the problem could be resolved without the Mayberry police involved. Uh, I think in this case they just kill him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. All right. How could this situation be resolved without involving uh, legal authority? Uh, legal authority. Um, I think the events of this episode, like, except honestly, just do all like do all these things that a person could do and not have to drive into town. Uh, 
If you didn't involve the police, uh, Briscoe Darling would have saved on gas money. Yeah, the only uh, thing that Andy really, like, contributes here is that he knows the preacher's phone number. Absolutely fucking useless at preventing violent crime in this episode. Oh, wait a minute. It's the 1960s. All you do is go, Sarah, get me the preacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to fucking do that. It's so bad. He sucks so hard. So, okay. It's the next day. They're getting ready for this fucking wedding. Um, and uh, Charlene comes out wearing, like, is there a moment where, like, we're supposed to think that this is a beautiful dress and a beautiful moment? It looks like shit. She looks horrible. She, yeah. She looks like fucking Bo Peep from Toy Story. Like. She looks like a white Dalek from Doctor Who. Like. <laughs> like, just a fucking, like, ice cream cone that is severely melted. She looks like the angry girl sheep from U.S. Acres. <laughs> It's so bad. It's it's just a cone. She looks like an upside down sconce. It sucks so hard. But you know what? I mean, this show doesn't give a shit about women or what they look like anyway. So, like, yeah, well, really, this show doesn't give a shit about women beyond what they look like. I should say the 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 like Bob Sweeney just was like, "Hey, can we get a wedding dress from props?" No. Do you have just a bunch of white cloth? All right, glue that to her. Like. We got it. Time is fucking money. <laughs> so, so, uh... There is also fucking, uh, it is simultaneously a very good and very bad joke where Briscoe Darling says, uh, like, they're putting a tie on him. He's like, ever since I seen a hanging, I haven't been comfortable putting one of these on. And it's like, ah, oh, that's a funny joke. But also, you're talking about probably a lynching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh at, at this point, right... The uh, duality of Briscoe Darling. <laughs> Uh, at this point, right, uh, another rock comes through. Uh, now, at this point, uh, he's just outwardly threatening to kidnap Charlene. And, and this is, th again, defend this fucking shit to me, baby boomers. Look me in the eye and tell me that this isn't an, an episode of TV about a man terrorizing a woman's family and then threatening to kidnap her and drag her into the forest. Tell me that yeah, that's not what's happening. The explicit line is. Tell me how this is funny. Yeah, the explicit line is, well, you may have a wedding, and you may have a preacher, but you may not have a bride. Which is, like, some shit that would, if it's on TV, it should be like, alright, let's see if we can get DNA samples off of this before the lunatic strikes again. <laughs> like, the lightest situation that this should be on is, like, an episode of a USA crime show. Fucking, like, fucking the My Favorite Murder Women are gonna be reading this note. Sarah Koenig is just like, as I saw the note... Asking, <laughs> saying there would not be a bride. I wondered to myself, what could that mean? Really, this is about the decline of the white working class. And that drove him <laughs> to this. <laughs> Angry men, frustrated with their lack of love life and their ability to only do 16 chin-ups. Ding, ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. It's, oh god, it's so disturbing. That was like the thing where I was like, alright, well this is pretty fucking bad. Whoa! It just kicked up a fucking notch into nightmare overdrive territory. So yeah, you're threatening a kidnapping, and at this point you'd be like, well, time to get the law involved. Oh, they're here and doing nothing? Well then. 
And, like, and, and, and he's like, don't worry, I have a scheme. And it's like, fuck your scheme. Like, violent crime has been involved. A woman is in danger. And he's like, don't worry, we're going to do an old switcheroo. An old switcheroo and a fucking abduction? Yeah, so at this point, Dud's like, you know what, fine. I'm just going to go deal with that dude myself using my army training. Because we remember that, I don't know. Dud just got back from murdering Koreans or whatever the fuck yeah. he was doing. Like, yeah. Like, he specifically says, I'm going to do some stuff I learned in guerrilla warfare. And then he proceeds to fish hook himself. It's yes. It's a very weird situation. Well, he says, he, he says you pull someone's uh, mouth one way and their nose the other way, which is, I think, a technique to rip someone's nose off. Yeah. What? Very gruesome. What? What were you yeah. doing in the army, dud? Yeah. They they trained him wrong as a joke. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, god. So then then Andy's like, "All right, we're going to do something wacky." Uh they have the wedding outside. Everyone's singing. Uh they sing a hymn, more fucking singing. Uh but don't worry, right? It's not Charlene in that dress under the veil. It's Barney. It's Barney, and Barney's like, oh, this is wacky. I don't trust this at all. You've had some schemes, but I don't trust this scheme. Okay, so they're they're singing. Ernest T. Bass opens fire on the wedding. (laughs) Like, they all put their hands up because he runs up with a shotgun, grabs the bride, and runs off. That's not cushioned at all. Like, there's not a thing where he's like, don't worry, I was firing into the air, or don't worry, she's safe. He's just like, all right, I've opened fire on you, and now I have the bride, and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want in the woods. And then runs off, and everyone's like, cool. It's cool that he has that opinion. And he runs it's- off, I, like, what, 50 yards away? Yeah. He doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> no, he just drags her into the nearby woods. But him, because he drags Barney off, and then he delivers a chilling monologue, where he specifically says the, uh, the phrase, I can get real mean, but it's okay because I'm healthy. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, oh. I, I, I think the line is like, you're gonna be my girl forever, I'd be, a, I'd be a great husband to you, I can do so much, I'm the man for you, uh, I can get, sometimes I can be real mean, but I wake, make up for it by being real healthy. Fucking what? Yeah! Like... Fucking what? Like... Who typed that? What human being put their hands to typewriter keys was like, do-do-do-do-do, normal sentences. Uh, Oh yeah, no, I want to put my name on this? Yes, I absolutely want to put my name on these words. Like... Fucking Jim Fritzel and Everett Greenbaum. Jesus like, Christ. He, wait, basically wait, a character- wait, 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 Fritzl and- Let me let me double check something with Fritzl and Greenbaum real quick, because I think these are the same dudes- Oh, yeah, so these are the same dudes that wrote uh, The Farmer Takes a Wife, which is pretty much oh. just Alan Hale Jr. coming to town and just harassing women on the street until, like, one of them marries him. Uh, and I think they also wrote the episode that was about uh, childbirth- but didn't have a single woman in it. So So uh a quick perusing of their Wikipedia pages shows that uh Jim Fritzel has actually been divorced more times than he's been married. <laughs> and uh Greenbaum's in Greenbaum's actually still in jail. 
<laughs> He's <laughs> dead, but they they're not letting him out. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> these guys are world class dirtbags. <laughs> like, these guys are the fucking worst. Uh, while Barney is being like dragged off into the woods to probably be eaten, they resume the wedding uh, and they do the wedding real quick. Like, okay, marry her now, marry them now. Uh, meanwhile, Ernest E. Bass is doing his monologue, and Barney takes off the veil and says, "I wouldn't marry you if you were the last man on earth." Yeah, that's a joke. Uh, the wedding is done. Andy shows no concern for Barney. Like, it, it, Briscoe Darling has to be the one to be like, should we go check on that dude? Yeah, Briscoe Darling turns to Andy's like, you do realize your deputy is probably dead by now, right? And Andy's like, shit, you're right. We gotta go get the remains. I didn't think this through at all. Uh, and then, uh, they all have a party together because now that it's, uh, legal in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God and Ernest T. Bass. Yeah. Most important, like, all right, so, uh, yeah, God validates this marriage, but more importantly, Ernest T. Bass. Like, you know what's great for a marriage is having it defined by a mountain man rapist lunatic. And and then they're like, okay, I guess... This guy who has clearly shown a sense of boundaries, I guess he'll 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 obey now, right? And then they just have a party, and they invite this fucking dude, and he's allowed to be at the party. He just tried to kidnap your daughter. Yeah, like, all right, they're gonna. I am assuming that there was going to be an original wedding, and the friends and family of the darlings, and probably Bud's family, were gonna show up, and they're gonna be like. Oh yeah, sorry. We're not actually we're not actually doing that ceremony. I'd be like, why? I'd be like, well, we did do a a reception. It was um us and a sheriff we've known for twenty minutes, and also a dangerous lunatic. So we'll send you pictures. It'll be great. Uh, fucking episode of television. And then I guess uh, Ernest T. Bass goes back to mailing manifestos to various municipal buildings. Uh, he also tries to get with Barney at that point. Like, he, he, oh, also, yeah, they, also, he also tries to force himself onto Barney. So. Yeah, they do a some like it hot joke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fucking. Yeah. Like, it is. I am. So is, is Ernest T. Bass just like a regular character now? He's got like six or seven more episodes. Okay, so that'll be struggles, so we can look forward to that. Uh, I'm sure each one will be more horrifying than the last. Like, it'll be like, oh, this is the series wrap on Ernest T. Bass. Be like, what's what you got, Ernest? And be like, I got a child in my trunk. Be like, how are we going to get out of this one? The worst fucking character. Somehow this show continues to generate worse and worse characters. Uh, each more diabolical than the last. This episode was voted one of the top ten fan favorite episodes, according to the Ultra Reliable Mayberry Wiki. Uh, do we want psychopaths? Do we want to talk about? Um, so we had early plans to kind of integrate ourselves into the uh, Andy Griffith fandom community, and no. there was one guy that we were kind of circling. Do we want? To, what's his fucking name? Um, Which the one? Guy dre- the guy that dresses like Floyd. Oh, his name is Alan Newsom. Yeah, we were like interested in him. We were like, let's fucking get like get in the head of this Alan Newsom guy. Let's like like maybe we should try to talk to him one day. 
fucking Trump supporter. Just no, hardcore. Like, like hardcore. Not just like follow not not just following and retweeting Trump, but following Eric and retweeting yeah. Eric. Uh, you know they're deep in that shit when they're retweeting Eric. They've run out of uh, Don Jr. Tre- uh, tweets to retweet. They're on Eric. I, you know, I I have such a weird relationship with this because on on the one hand, like a little bit of respect for the man for like maintain this community of weirdos that like has so much passion. And as as a podcast producer, right, the fact that he's kept this shit going for ten fucking years is amazing to me. But on the other hand. Fuck you. Like, yeah. fuck this entire band of lunatics. And, like, ah, uh, I, I I had this dream, dude. I had this idea that maybe we'd go to Mayberry Days and, like, we would find something fun about it. And they would, we'd tell them about our show and be like, you're probably not going to like it. And they'd listen and be like, well. And then, like, we would be like, yes. Yeah. Like, I had this, like, intergenerational dream. And then I, <laughs> I got into these fucking people's, like, heads and their YouTube pages. And it's just a bastion of anger and sadness. And, like, you 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 had this vision of them taking it in good humor and being like, "Well, we love the Andy Griffith Show, but you raised some good points." Wahaha! They would have wicker manned us, motherfucker. <laughs> like they, they're currently <laughs> they are currently producing a movie about yeah. about some guy who is forced to live the Mayberry way as a punishment for a crime, uh, and then winds up falling in love with like simple visions and the vision of the Andy Griffith Show. These motherfuckers are 100% doing ritualistic sacrifices. Like, if... uh, How many restraining orders do you think Ron Howard has against these people? Oh my god, it has to be so fucking many. And it's gotta be a problem, because, like, Clint shows up. Clint is... Clint goes there for the admiration. Right. Yeah, they 100%, like, see him tweeting, like, pro-Obama stuff, and they're like, we... He's... He's... He's sullying Opie. Opie would never say this stuff. Opie would never uh, vote for Biden. We need to go kill him so that he'll stop. I mean, Ron Howard and Andy Griffith both campaigned for Obama together. Yeah. <laughs> like, and these, it, like, how the fuck do they, do these Trump supporting motherfuckers reconcile that? I mean, we, this is one of their favorite episodes, dude, so. Yeah. I just, I fucking. I hate these people now. I They're the fucking worst. If this is the kind of shit that you wish we still had. And yeah. bear in mind, bear in mind, Dan and I have been very fair to this to this show. We have praised it on numerous occasions. I'm going to make our stance official. Um, if you're a fan of the Andy Griffith show and you take issue with anything we've said, uh, shoot an email to breakingmayberry at gmail.com so that we can set up a time and place to fight you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will. We are making it official. The hosts of Breaking Mayberry will fight any of you. We will meet in a park. We will wear masks. There will be no grappling. Uh, and we'll see what happens. I'm sorry. Y'all got fucking pacemakers. All I got to do is turn on a microwave and you'll <laughs> just drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, listen, we're gonna, we're just gonna do the work that diabetes was going to do anyway. <laughs> Backwards fuck faces. Fuck, fuck, fuck you for you. liking this show. Yeah. This episode Tell- specifically. Like, the, the show itself, I, I understand, but this episode specifically. Everybody tell your stepdads to fuck themselves on our behalf.
<laughs> uh, this is possibly the angriest I've ever been at this show. Uh, it it is. I'm I'm numb at this point. <laughs> like it just washes over me. But fuck. Um. God. Yeah. No. That is. Literally there's, any scene that Ernest T. Bass is not in, he is masturbating in the woods or mailing pipe bombs. There's, there's a reason why we don't do this on video, because I am just like You're 40% flop sweat at this point. Just... <laughs> All right, should we call it before Let's you actually die? Fucking call this shit. All right, yeah. rate it. <laughs> Tell you what, listeners, give your own ratings based on what you think we're going to say. guess. <laughs> Take a wild shot. Like, despite his best efforts, Briscoe Darling is not able to redeem this episode. The, the best, the best part of this episode is the racist lit, er, lynch mob member. Yeah, the guy that is in one episode anti-immigrant, pro-confederacy, uh, and vaguely alludes to having seen a lynching. And I'm like, well, he's definitely the bright spot. <laughs> Andy Meter, like, zero. This this episode fucking sucks. It's not entertaining in a way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah. Like, it, it's bits such as they are go on way too goddamn long, right? Yeah. There's no script or story, and it's also just completely out of character and out of tone with the rest of the show. It's so weird. It's yeah. so fucking weird all, uh, on top of all of this, right? It, it definitely it feels like you are witnessing something, like otherworldly in how stupid and bad it is it it feels it it just feels so fucking wrong it like it feels it feels like you're watching something creepy and unnatural it it feels like i'm watching like a dog give birth to a raccoon it yeah it's upsetting all right and so like barney meter here's the thing about the barney meter right I could almost, like, just let this pass as, like, okay, this didn't age well. If it weren't for the fact that this episode seems to be so beloved by this community, and this character seems to be so beloved by this community, that they they built, like, multiple stories around it. That they looked at this and were like, yeah, we're going to need more of this shit. You can, a lot of this shit you can kind of write off as, like, well, they didn't know any better. Uh, but now they're like... Like, they're the people, the active, like, Andy Griffith show uh, fans are like, we do and we don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. if anything, we love it more. Yeah. We understand consent and we think it can fuck itself. Ernest, you bass. So, yeah, fuck this episode uh, and fuck everyone that likes it. And that's my Barney meter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Have fun uh, putting that one in the spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, fuck. Fuck me. Okay. I'm so tired. Uh, that is this week's episode of Breaking Mayberry. Uh, I hate this. I'm. <laughs> do you remember at the beginning of this season where you were like, what are we going to do if the Andy Griffith show is good? I'm Dan <laughs> and I'm worried about this. Every year. Every year I'm worried about that. And if, like, it always starts like, okay, where it's like, oh, this is actually kind of funny. And then like... 
slowly, I'm assuming that there's some sort of low-level gas leak in the writer's room of the Andy Griffith show, and like, first they're like, alright, back from vacation, uh, uh, got some good plots, got some good writing, and then by the end of the season they're just power vomiting and smearing shit on the walls, and just being like, a vision came to me of a mountain goblin! He he respects the laws of neither man nor god, and he takes what he wants! His name is Bad! <laughs> and the director is like, okay, I guess we'll put that in the episode. Um, are you guys okay? Do you want a drink of water? And they're like, they're like, I fire shoots from my fingers. I am a god. The entire latter half of the third season is just on ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, I know we've been running a little light on the plots, so uh, I suggest that we take uh, medically prohibited doses of salvia every episode. All right, so, so, fuck. As always, you can find us on the internet at Break Mayberry. You can email us your fucking death threats, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You can throw a rock through Dan's window after you figure out where he lives based on the on the high schools that are being turned into condos. Uh, yeah. Come at me. So, and which, or you can email us breaking Mayberry at gmail.com. That's all. But exclusively awesome. for fighting. That is all that's for now. Do not send us nice things on there. Do not tell us we're doing a good job. Only use that. If you want to fight us. Okay. Is that good? I don't, I didn't run that by you before I announced that. Is that um, based off your facial expression? Mm, not feeling it. Okay. All right. Okay, yeah, cool, cool, right. cool. Uh, <laughs> I'll allow it. Uh, you can post on the Facebook that we will, I think, be deleting <laughs> in the next couple of weeks, right? Based off of the vibes I'm getting. Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Twitter, uh, we are Break Mayberry on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds 2Ds. The music you heard before and you're about to hear was done by Max Ludwig, who twitches on Twitch as Sleep Talkie. Uh, and He's getting into weird shit on that. His, his, Twitch, his Twitch streams are always a fun time. They're uh, fucking awesome. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. We are closing out the season. I think we're going to do one more episode, then our finale, and then we'll probably take off. And uh, by that point, it'll be like... Halfway through November, so we'll probably take off and then come back after the new year. Uh, yeah. I've run none of this by Dan before I'm saying it on the air. No, that sounds right. Uh, and so, thanks for sticking with us. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Uh-oh.